Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast, where we talk about how to experience gospel freedom. Romans 6-7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. On today's broadcast, Mike Cleveland, founder of Setting Captives Free, shares how you can experience the freedom purchased for us by Jesus Christ at the cross. Hello everyone, nice to be with you again this week. We're studying through Ephesians chapter 5 and I'm here with my wife Jody. Thank you so much for joining me again, Jody. I'm so glad to be here. It's wonderful to discuss uh, Christ and the work that he has accomplished for us on the cross with you and to see how that permeates all of our life. Yes, this passage we're looking at shows a total permeation of God's word and God's truth in every area of our lives. By the way, I just want to mention this is the third podcast we've done on Ephesians chapter 5. So if you're listening to this for the first time, there are two other podcasts leading us up to where we are today. Today, Jody, we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 21 and possibly through 33, a large section of scripture. Uh, But I want us to consider something, and that is that the culture that we live in today is totally opposed to the truth of God's Word. Now, it's never been anything but that, but especially in our culture in which we live today, uh, there is an active opposition to the truth that we're going to look at today. Which is wonderful because we get to proclaim it and we get to show that living it is where freedom and joy and love and all of that comes from, right? That is so true. Um, this is this passage is much like many others um, in the in the Bible that just highlight the fact that God's ways are not man's ways. It's just the the opposite most of the time, and um, it's going to be it's going to be shocking to some people, I think. It will be, and shocking in a good way. Absolutely. uh, Because God's Word, the truth of it, never changes, despite our changing culture. Remember, the world in which we live is actively opposed to the truth, and the reason is the truth sets us free, whereas the world's methods and belief systems and ideology enslave us. Right. And so we're looking at powerful truth today that goes contrary to our culture. So let's begin looking right now at what God says about how to interact within marriage and within the family. So in verse 21, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're given the instruction and we're given the motivation. The instruction is submit to one another. So of all the relationships he's going to talk about, Now, especially the man and the wife, the husband and wife, we're commanded to submit to one another. That's the overarching principle here in the scriptures, that believers are able to submit to one another. The reason is we have submitted to God first. Anyone who submits their life to God is able then to submit to one another because we're simply used to submitting. We saw Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane say, Please, Father, take this cup away from me. Yet, nevertheless, 
not my will, but yours be done. And that's the illustration of submission. As he went to the cross itself, he was completing the work that God gave him to do in full submission to the Father. And so you and I, Jody, are to submit to each other. Right. That's the overarching principle, isn't it? It really is. And it's not the the key here is that second um, part of the text, which is out of reverence for Christ. Um, and what you said about submitting to Christ, then this enables us to submit to one another one another. That is so important for us to remember. We're not just saying submit. That's what the law says, right? The law just says submit, obey so that you can live, right? And, um, and this is one of the things that we see so, so difficult for everyone in our world today is nobody wants to submit. They don't want to submit to authority. They don't want to submit to God. They don't, definitely don't want to submit to each other. It's my rights and me first. And that's just the way that the cultural mindset is. And it's always been this way. It's just a, probably a new facet of it that we're seeing now. But um, yeah, but when we look to Christ and his cross and we see his death in our place, his wounds that plead for us, his blood that covers us, his righteousness that clothes us, his death and resurrection that makes us worthy, makes us acceptable to enter into eternal life and into an eternal relationship with him. When we keep our minds there and we see that Christ submitted, Christ, the Lord of all, submitted to save us, this puts everything in perspective, and we are able to submit to one another. We begin to see what really is important, what really matters, and our mind is fixed on things above and not on the temporary, because when our minds are fixed on the things above, the temporary become, as they should be, less important, and then we're able to let go of petty little differences and you know things like that. It's, much, it's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different world. When you are out of reverence for Christ and his finished work on the cross, out of reverence for him and all that he is for us and in us, we submit to each other. It's a whole new world. That's exactly right. As you were talking, I thought about Jesus as he washed the disciples' feet. Because to submit means to lower oneself or place oneself under And so Jesus came as the Lord of glory, as the King of all heaven, and he lowered himself down to take on a body that was submitting to the Father's will. And then he lowered himself further to become like a servant, a house slave, if you will. And then he took the dirty feet of the disciples in his hands and he washed them. He was submitting to even the disciples' need to have clean feet. Mm. And he's our example. He is our savior, our substitute, but he's also our example. Jesus said, just as I have have done this, even so you now should follow in my steps. And so we can submit to one another. It's totally against the culture and the world in which we live. Um, And it is totally freeing when we submit to one another out of, like you said, out of reverence for Christ. The first instruction to an individual party is to wives, and it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And so what we're seeing here is the order in which God has made the marriage relationship work. 
and that is wives are told to submit to their own husbands, not to their bosses, to their whatever other relationships, but to their own husbands. And so they are to be, do like Jesus did and lower themselves to a place of submission to their husbands. And this is really just a illustration of 1 Corinthians 11.3, which says, But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, if there has ever been a scripture that goes so contrary to the world in which we live, to the culture in which we have of feminism and women's lib and all kinds of things, it's this verse, to realize that the head of the woman is man. Now, there have been, Jody, and you know this all throughout the ages, religious groups and individuals who have perverted this very message. And in essence, what they've said is, the wife is a doormat for the husband to walk over, to walk on, to step on, to use as he sees fit. And if there is ever anything more contrary to the Word of God, I don't know what it would be because that is a, an absolute distortion of the truth. The truth is, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The distortion is you do whatever he says whenever he wants and you are a doormat. And husbands have used this to, as a hammer to pound on their wives. You are told to submit to me. You're supposed to submit. And that is a completely wrong attitude for the husband to have. Right. It's so it is true. I mean, this is a common perversion um, just because uh, it says to submit. Well, if you keep reading, right, it says uh, wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And so that particular aspect um, has been used uh, out of context um, and abused, I should say, not used, but abused. Um, and, and therefore, women have rejected this. The abuse has produced a um, outcry, if you will, of women saying, um, no, and they just want to focus on verse 21, submit to each other. It's really just mutual submission. And, you know, this was just a cultural thing back then. And now it's not that way anymore. And that's not true. Um, it is not true. There has to be a head, right? Whenever you see, um, uh, like a two headed, um, animal, it's usually, um, a mutation, right? It's, and, and it, that that animal doesn't usually live very long it's not healthy it it doesn't function well and and that's because we're not meant to be two-headed we're meant to be a single head and then um a body and so god has ordained that christ would be the head of man and man would be the head of the woman and that is the proper order just like there's ranks in the military and in government and all kinds of things, this we've the world has adapted this orderliness that God created and designed from the beginning. But the key there um, for us to remember as wives is as you do to the Lord. So Jesus never asked us to sin. He never asked us to do anything perverted, unkind. Um, deceitful, illicit, 
any of these types of things. Jesus is not going to ask us to do anything that would harm us um, temporarily or eternally, right? So this is sort of a checkpoint for whether or not um, what your husband is asking you to do. So when, when a husband says, I need you to lie to my boss and say I, I was sick when you weren't, then that's, that's wrong shouldn't submit to that. Um, the key here is whether or not it is Christ-oriented, cross-oriented. By nature, we are all selfish people, and we all want what we want. And we want other people to do our bidding. It's just, let's be honest, that is who we are by nature in the flesh. And this is why there must be something supernatural. Jesus had to die to give us his spirit so that we could then submit to our husbands. And that own husband is very significant because there are a lot of churches that will like to dominate and, and say that wives need to submit to church leadership, which is true as long as that church leadership is not in conflict with the gospel or with the husband. So there's it's a very, a very... Um, clear directive that has been so perverted by humanity. Yeah, exactly. Men have perverted it by wanting to make their wives a doormat. Women have perverted it by saying, you know, this was uh, an old uh, teaching that is no longer relevant for today. And now the women's lib movement and the, the you know, women uh, wanting to usurp authority and wanting is all contrary to scripture. And it seems like when people will speak out this truth that they are categorized as people living in the dark ages, following an old book that is irrelevant for today, that our culture is so much more enlightened today than they were back in the dark ages when men were the leaders of their home. That just sounds like a, a some kind of a you know religion that has nothing to do with our present day and yet what you discover is that God's word is timeless oh it is and it really is the most beautiful thing whenever both couples are oriented toward the cross of Christ and seeking to submit to Christ themselves this becomes a non-issue it really does yeah, because there's a joy in, in submitting to one another. The husband, the wife is glad to submit to her husband out of a, a reflection of her relationship with the Lord. She submits to the Lord first, so she's happy to submit to her husband. Uh, and as we read verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. So you notice right away then that what we've done is moved from husband and wife to Christ and the church. Mm -hmm. And we're going to follow that model all the way through to chapter 6. And we're going to show that as Christ is the head of the church, even so the husband is the head of the wife. It's God's order. That's God's determination, not ours. Um... And so it means that, as you said, there's one head in the family, not two, where there should be no mutations, where there's a two-headed animal that never works. And God has designed the husband 
to lead and the wife to follow. Um, it says in verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And so what he's done here is shown us that this is how we become Christians. We submit to the lordship of Jesus. Right. We receive a savior. We receive a Lord. Yes. We say, yes, Lord, I accept your work on the cross as full and complete payment for my sins, and I receive a Lord who leads me. Yes. And the important thing here is this is where we, as wives, get to engage our faith. Because um, everybody likes to say, oh, yeah, I could submit to Jesus, no problem. He's perfect. But my husband, on the other hand, <laughs> you know, and it becomes to be like a little joke or something. But it's not a joke. This is a very serious thing. And um, the thing that we need to do as wives, Christian wives, is that we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that he will lead our spouse. So whenever my husband asks me, whenever you ask me to follow you in a certain direction, as long as it's not sin, I can say, yes, I submit to that, even if I don't agree with it, even if I don't think that's the best choice, I can still submit knowing that God is sovereign. God is in control of you. And so whatever this is, even though I can't see the end of it, even though I, can, I might not agree, I can believe that God is working for our good and His glory. And I can follow you knowing that God has got us. We are being held together in Jesus Christ. There's nothing that's going to harm us eternally, so I can follow. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, and so let's move on to the role of husbands in verse 25. Mm -hmm. It says, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so again, we see our example. Um, we're told to love our wives, our example being Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. He died for the church. The husband is... <clears throat> as he is interacting with his wife, given the instruction to love her in a sacrificial way, mm -hmm. to to love. Now, there's no none of us who do this perfectly. Even as I'm saying these words, I'm convicted <laughs> that I do not do this the way that I should, and no husband does, and because we're supposed to be Jesus to our wives, and mm -hmm. and that's a high standard, but that's the goal, right. and it's the desire of any Christian's heart to love his wife as Christ loved the church. If you look at Jesus, he went to the cross. He shed his own blood. He gave up his rights. He died to himself. He loved unto death. And this is what motivates the Christian husband. He looks at the cross and he sees the one who suffered in his place and died his death. Mm -hmm. And he's motivated by that. This The Holy Spirit there at the cross leads the husband to want to live sacrificially uh, in loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Now, Jody, there is another perversion that we need to talk about here. And that is that some husbands think, and I was taught this decades ago, that to love my wife as Christ loved the church means I will spoil her rotten. I will give her whatever she wants. I will allow her to make any decision she wants. 
I will spoil her rotten. Now that's a perversion because of verse 26. Christ gave himself up for his bride to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In other words, the husband's sacrificial loving and living is for the purpose of cleansing his wife, washing her in the word, making her holy, leading her in righteousness, making her to be without spot or blemish. It's not spoiling her so that she does whatever she wants and gets whatever she wants. It's lovingly leading her in righteousness and holiness. Absolutely. I mean, we can see that truth by just looking at Jesus in the church. Um, because Jesus doesn't spoil us as the church. In fact, the church has gone through throughout the generations so much persecution, so much um, difficulty, right? Um, and if if Jesus were just spoiling us rotten, well, we would have had a jolly old time, you know, just doing whatever we pleased and, and no bo- nobody bothering us and you know, whatever. And that's not been the experience, of course. So we can know for sure that that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying just husbands, you become the doormat, you know, Mm. and you do whatever they please. Um, So (laughs) the beauty of this particular passage is that it, it really highlights the fact that Jesus had to come and die for us. Right, he had to live that perfect life because, as you said, wives aren't going to submit perfectly, husbands aren't going to love perfectly. I love the way you love me, though, by the way. <laughs> but, um, but, but just so you know, uh, this is one of the reasons Jesus had to die because we could not, we could not love each other, submit to one another. Um, we were born in sin, and and our flesh was all that we had. But Jesus, right. But Jesus, this is so wonderful and so beautiful that he would give up his life and and breathe out his last and and release his spirit so that he, the Holy Spirit, could come to each of us and live in us so that supernaturally we could look to the cross together, submit to each other, wives could submit to their husbands, husbands could love their wives and and lead them in paths of righteousness for Jesus' name's sake. It's so, so beautiful, the cross of Christ, and we can see the importance, the importance of seeing Jesus and his death and resurrection for us, preaching that gospel to our hearts every single day so that we can live this out to the glory of God and the good of the body. That's exactly right. And so look what Jesus did. It says, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Husbands are to cleanse their wives. They are to simply bring out the Bible and to show how whatever scripture they're in points to the cross right? where Jesus died. And not just, I've seen a lot of men... um, and women, but seeing a lot of people use the Bible as a hammer, you know, as a weapon even, um, and preaching, you know, write out all the Bible verses about not lying every time their kid tells a lie or, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever. This is not what the Bible is for, friends. This is not, this is not what it's about. Yeah, it's about, like we say, cleansing, right? Cleansing, washing, 
Um, we all live in this world and get dirty. We all experience sin and guilt, um, you know, and the Word of God is water. It's a cleansing fountain. The Holy Spirit is a flowing fountain yes. where we can wash and be cleansed every day. Jody, every day I'm to take you to the Word of God in some way. Right. Uh, it doesn't have to be physically getting the Bible out, although that's where the power is and that's what we do. <laughs> that is what we do. <laughs> but, but it can be discussing, interacting, talking right. about the Word of God. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit uses us, uses it to wash us yes. because the Word of God is a fountain. The Spirit of God is a fountain. So He cleanses us. Husbands are to cleanse their wives. Yeah. He presents us as a radiant church. Husbands are to use the word of God to show the wife that she is radiant, that she has no spots or blemishes. Right. Because at the cross, what did Jesus do? He removed your sin from you. Right. Therefore, you are radiant. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You're a radiant bride. Mm -hmm. You have no stains or wrinkles. What that means is at the cross... Jesus removed even the small, even, you know, the, the unseen sin. He has taken away that which you were supposed to do but didn't. Yes. He has taken it all from you so that you don't even have any stains, small, dark blotches in you at all. Right. You're completely washed and cleansed and, perfect, and as seen as perfect in God's eyes. Right. So husbands are to help their wives understand this. Their new identity in Christ. Yes, and yes. to see themselves as God sees them, which is pure and perfect and spotless and blameless. Right. And so the husband is, this is what the husband is to do. Yeah. Honey, come here. Let me, let me show you. You're standing with God. Let me show you how God sees you. Right. As beautiful and perfect. Um, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we don't see people according to the flesh anymore. Right. No. I don't see you according to sin or failures or faults. I don't even see them, Jody. No. Oh, that's don't, a mercy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't view you according to your flesh. I view you according to who you are in God's eyes. Mm. And he says to you, like he said about his son, this is my son, this is my wife, whom I love. With her, I am well pleased. Mm. And so Thank this you, is the role of the husband. Right. He's to show her, you have no blemishes. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I'm doing is then loving, in verse 28, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. Mm. So the husband's the leader. What he's to do is to take his wife to the cross, to show her her standing before God, to remind her of her perfection in Christ, mm -hmm. to wash her daily in the word, even as Jesus washed his disciples' feet, even as he climbed up on the cross and washed all of us from our sins. Thank you. He's to lead in that way. Mm -hmm. This is the practical way that the husband is to love the wife. Mm -hmm. Not spoiling her, giving her everything she wants, mm -hmm. but leading her, washing her, cleansing her. Well, this is this is the eternal viewpoint, right? Spoiling is just a temporary thing, and it does not affect an eternal 
um, result, right? But this washing, reminding me of my identity in Christ, presenting me in my own mind and in your own heart and mind as who I am in Christ, focusing and orienting our minds in this way, that's eternal. And that keeps in focus the cross of Christ that has achieved these wonderful gifts for us. That's beautiful. Give me a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I love how you said that. Uh, you know, this is the joy of a Christian marriage that lives under the cross of Christ, that lives by the power of the Spirit of God. Yeah. That we are doing this for one another. We're continually reminding each other of our position in Christ, mm -hmm. of our relationship with God based upon the cross. Mm -hmm. um, that we can now come into the presence of God because Jesus made this new and living way. Mm -hmm. Through his death, the, the temple veil was torn in two from yes. top to bottom. At Jesus' death, his body was torn up for us. Why? To make us holy, to present us radiant, yes. to make us without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. We look at ourselves, we see blemishes uh -huh. and wrinkles and stains and mm -hmm. spots. Yeah. And yet in Christ, his blood has washed away our sin. He has washed it away. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. And, and this is what you are, Jody. You are white as snow. This is what we are. We are both of us. Yeah. And so this is how the husband is to lead. The wife is to receive. She is to hear this message and to accept it as being true. Right. And that's how she follows her husband. Right. And so sometimes the husband will take the wife to church. Not as much in the days of COVID, but hopefully in the future. <laughs> true. Where, where we go to church. Yeah. Where we hear the message of the cross again. She's to follow and go to his church. As long as his church is preaching the gospel right. and is a Christian church, the wife is not to say, no, you go to your church and I'll go to mine, right? Right, yeah. No, you definitely want to be united and, and worshiping together because that is really and truly one of the most intimate things. Um, a lot of people think physical intimacy is the end all. It's not. To me, spiritual intimacy is much greater and um, something that we really do want to share. Exactly right. Well, let's close with this. We, we left off at verse 28. Next time, we'll finish our study of Ephesians 5 by looking at verses 29 to 33. Okay. Um, Jody, wives submit to their husbands. Husbands love their wives is a way a Christian marriage works beautifully. It really is. works uh, in the way that God designed it to work. Mm -hmm. It's a powerful testimony to the world. As the world looks on and sees a husband truly loving his wife, you know, our family ought to know, wow, dad loves mom. Yeah. They ought to know, the, the onlooking world ought to see, wow, that man loves his wife. That's what we ought to be known for, mm -hmm. you know, in this context. The context ought to be, wow, she submits with joy. Mm -hmm. Not that she stomps her feet and says, well, okay, if you insist. Not that. Well, and even even in that, I think a lot of times when you're submitting according to the scriptures, people don't even know that that's what you're doing. You just look like a great team. 
Yeah. You know, you look like, wow, they just work well together and they don't even know. It's not a, gosh, she sure is submissive. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like that. That's it's, right. It's just good teamwork. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it works well, lasts a long time. It does. Such a gift. Thank you, Jesus. Father in heaven, we come to you asking you to heal hurts in marriages. We ask that you would replace worldly ideologies, the the theology of our culture, uh, and replace it with the truth of your word and the power of your spirit, that more marriages would experience this wonderful joy of living by the truth, for the truth sets us free. And they might experience the power of your word as they see the cross of Christ and the submission he, he did to make us clean and holy and pure. That husbands and wives would rejoice that we now have our roles defined for us clearly. Mm-hmm. And we're able to see how we're to live together in love. Mm-hmm. Lord, I thank you so much for this lady sitting beside me. I thank you so much for Jody and her love and her willingly and joyfully submitting to me. And I thank you that we can come to you together. And we we ask for somebody hearing that they might receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ right now and the forgiveness of their sins and new life in Jesus Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.